Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome, welcome. It's another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. I'm Marcus Papp. He's Reggie Rizzo. On today's episode, a new satellite heads to space to survey Earth's oceans and atmosphere. A new prosthetic hand allows wearers to sense temperature, and a puppy spontaneously regrows its jaw after it was lost to cancer. We'll tell you about the implications. Plus, on this day in history, record cold in the southern United States. That's coming up on Cool Stuff. NASA has launched its newest satellite, PACE, or the Plankton Aerosol Climate Ocean Ecosystem Satellite. PACE will be active for three years and will orbit the Earth 420 miles above its surface. Its mission is to study what is normally unseen. It'll look at microscopic life in the air and water as it scans the globe daily with two of its instruments, and a third will take monthly measurements. While there are already more than two dozen satellites orbiting and studying Earth's climate, PACE will be able to look closer at atmospheric aerosols like pollutants and volcanic ash, and how plankton and sea life like algae interact. In fact, the other satellites in orbit can only see seven or eight colors. But PACE can see 200 colors, including a spectrum of ultraviolet, visible, and near-infrared light, which will help scientists identify the particles in the air and different types of algae. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said, quote, with this new addition to NASA's fleet of Earth-observing satellites, PACE will help us learn, like never before, how particles in our atmosphere and oceans can identify key factors impacting global warming, end quote. Karen Saint-Germain, director of the Earth Science Division of NASA, said PACE will accelerate our understanding of the Earth system and help NASA deliver actionable science, data, and practical applications to help our coastal communities and industries address rapid evolving changes, end quote. They plan on using that information to forecast the health of fisheries, track harmful algae blooms, and identify changes in the marine environment. The observations will help scientists improve hurricane and other severe weather forecasts. It will also note Earth's changes as temperatures rise and better predict when harmful algae blooms will happen. The team will combine the data they receive from PACE with their surface air and ocean topography mission, which they expect will skyrocket the data collected. Project scientist Jeremy Wordle said, quote, it's going to be an unprecedented view of our home planet. He added, after 20 years of thinking of this mission, it's exhilarating to watch it finally realize and to witness its launch, end quote. They expect to be receiving data back in about a month or two. So with this mission, hopefully we'll learn not only uh, more about what's uh, causing global warming or issues that affect global warming, it'll also allow us to help, uh, you know, just on the grounds like fisheries and stuff like that and help us get an idea of how to prevent some of the bad things happening in our oceans and air. Yeah, certainly any additional information you can collect right now to help us combat those things is is a positive. And so looking forward to seeing what type of information it returns and what actionable things we can take on. And it's kind of interesting to think about, as uh, Jeremy Wordle there said, 20 years of thinking about this mission. When you think of these satellites coming into space, you don't always think that it takes 20 years for this kind of stuff to happen, but it does. It takes a long time. Yeah, I think we've become numb to some of this simply because we hear about it so frequently. But to your point, 
I, I mean, the complexities of a satellite and getting it into space and, and, and everything that goes along with that, <laughs> I have no doubt that it's not an easy task and it takes a lot of smart people to figure this all out. But when we hear about it at the frequency we do these days, we sort of take that for granted, unfortunately. We say we want to be challenged. We say we want to hear all sides, but that's not how we act when we seek out podcasts. I'm Mike Pesca, host of The Gist, and I'm crazy enough to think that we are up to the challenge. I challenge myself. I challenge my guests. I invite you in. We'll talk about such issues as masks. I mean, I know they work, but on a population level, the evidence is less than clear. Mass shootings, horrible, but they account for less than 1% of all shootings. Do we do ourselves and our society a disservice when we focus on them? These questions and more explored and challenged every day on The Gist, wherever you get your podcasts. Science never ceases to amaze. A new robotic hand for amputees has found a way to exploit phantom thermal sensations in an individual's residual limb, thereby allowing the user to sense temperature with their prosthetic. It works by transmitting thermal information from the fingertip of the robotic hand to the wearer's residual arm. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the concept of phantom sensations or pain, it's a fairly common phenomenon among amputees. The missing limb or extremity still feels like it's present and part of the body. Individuals will sometimes feel the tickle, itch, or pain, unfortunately, on their missing limb, even though it's no longer there. The subject, in this case, was a 57-year-old male and 30-year amputee Using the new prosthetic known as the Mini Touch, scientists tested his ability to discriminate between hot, cold, and room temperature objects, as well as different materials such as copper, glass, and plastic, finally artificial versus human hands. The researchers also introduced tests to evaluate real-time temperature discrimination during standardized pick-and-place tasks. Now, using the prosthetic, the man was able to differentiate between hot and cold objects with 100% accuracy. He also performed all three discrimination tasks mentioned with similar accuracy as with his intact hand. The man was understandably emotional after feeling the warmth of another human again, 37 years after his hand was amputated from the wrist. Quote, it was a very strong emotion for me. It was like reactivating a connection with someone, end quote. The research team says the new technology recently presented in a study published in the journal Med marks the first time natural temperature sensations have been incorporated into a functional artificial limb, one of the last frontiers for restoring sensation to robotic hands. Professor Silvestro Micera was a joint senior author of the study from the St. Anna School of Advanced Studies. He said, quote, for the first time, we're really close to restoring the full palette of sensations to amputees, and it can be easily integrated into commercial prosthetics thesis, end quote. Perhaps making this story even more exciting, the Minitouch uses off-the-shelf electronics integrated into commercially available prosthetic limbs and does not require surgery to implement. Instead, the device is simply attached to a point on the wearer's same limb, producing sensations in their phantom index finger. Now, per GNN, the next step for Minitouch is to integrate thermal information from multiple points of an amputee's limb instead of just the index finger, for example, enabling some sensation in the back of the hand, which would allow amputees to sense whether another person touches their hand. That's fascinating. And, you know, my grandpa, when he was younger, in a farming accident, lost his ring finger. Uh, his ring got caught and had an accident. I remember even in his 70s, he would tell me that it randomly still itched and he, mm. he couldn't scratch it because, you know, there's no finger to scratch there. So I find this very fascinating, the fact that they can actually feel it. And I, I don't know. What, what do they do for an itch, though? 
Like you can feel the heat and cold, but if you have that phantom itch, do you think scratching it will actually, even though you're not actually scratching anything, solve that, or, you know, it's basically scratch that itch? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Reg. One, I, I can't imagine living with those sensations and not being able to do anything about it. But you do wonder, uh, clearly it's it's something, uh, mental's not the right word, but it's a, a response or a reaction taking place in the brain. So how do you effectively inform your brain that either, hey, there's nothing to scratch there or at least give it the impression that you have have scratched and, and it's been taken care of? I, I, I don't know. And I don't want to say sound super naive because I, I am to all of this, uh, but, but it is a, a, a fascinating subject matter and really cool to see science making this type of progress in restoring functionality and just experiences that people who have unfortunately lost limbs have missed out on for so long. So to be able to restore some of that, and it, it seems like we're moving in the right direction to restore even more of that functionality going forward, pretty darn neat. Intriguing news from the world of veterinary medicine, a French bulldog puppy's jaw spontaneously regrew after Cornell veterinarians removed a majority of his lower left mandible due to cancer. While this phenomenon has been documented in some human children, this is the first reported case of its kind for dogs of any age or breed. That per Melanie Griever Cordova and the Cornell Chronicle. A three-month-old Tyson was scheduled to see Cornell's dentistry and oral surgery service for cleft palate surgery in the spring of last year when his primary vet noticed a cancerous tumor on his jaw. Veterinarian and oral surgery resident Alexandra Wright said, quote, Tyson's tumor was an oral papillary squamous cell carcinoma, which is a malignant cancer in dogs. Oral squamous cell carcinoma is the second most common malignant oral tumor in dogs, and this papillary subtype has previously been reported in young dogs, end quote. Dr. Wright subsequently explained to Tyson's owners, Melissa Forsyth and Mike Lasagnina of Rochester, New York, that to eliminate the tumor, a majority of the puppy's lower left mandible would need to be removed, which meant life without a fully functioning lower jaw. Said Forsyth, quote, we didn't know if we wanted to put a puppy through all this. The prognosis at the time was uncertain, end quote. But once it was determined this cancer had not yet spread to any other part of Tyson's body, the couple decided to proceed with the surgery and give Tyson a chance at life with part of his jaw, having no idea it would eventually grow back. Per Cornell, there have been anecdotal cases of portions of mandibles regenerating in young dogs, but this didn't seem likely for Tyson, given the amount of bone that was removed. The case report suggests he managed to surpass all expectations due to a significant amount of periosteum that was preserved during surgery. That's a thin membrane that covers bone surfaces. It contains blood vessels and nerves that support the bone and are crucial to the growth of the original mandibles. Per Wright, quote, this was likely imperative to the regeneration of new bone, end quote. It also helped that the dog's tumor was detected early, though the exact reason for Tyson's jaw regrowth remains a bit of a medical mystery. Said Wright, quote, more has to be done to understand the likelihood of this occurring in other dogs and if a specific age range makes a difference, but this case documents a very positive surgical outcome in a life-threatening situation, end quote. Tyson's new mandible is nearly as functional as the original, though it is technically considered abnormal because it no longer has certain features. For instance, there is no mandibular canal where major blood vessels and nerves typically reside, and there are no teeth. However, it is the same length as the one on the right, which prevents drifting, and there is no evidence of cancer in the regenerated bone. After this surgery, Tyson underwent another to address his cleft palate, 
Per Forsyth, quote, he spent the majority of his puppyhood wearing an e-collar, not able to play with toys or chew on anything. He was the best patient, end quote. She still doesn't give him hard food or hard toys, but he enjoys his water-soaked kibble and many soft toys. Forsyth keeps right up to date on how full Tyson's life has been after his time at Cornell. He recently graduated obedience class, passed his canine good citizen test, and walked in a Christmas parade with his dog training friends. Wright describes this as the most rewarding part of the case. Forsyth hopes Tyson's outcome will benefit other dogs with this diagnosis. Wright agrees, quote, his case now demonstrates the possibility of complete bone regeneration when working with a patient this young, end quote. That's crazy. I didn't know even in human cases there was the growth regeneration of, you know, the bone in some way. I mean, I get it. I guess in some ways your body's trying to repair itself, but I didn't know you could actually grow it and the, the, the jaw being almost complete. That's fascinating. Yeah, obviously it doesn't happen all the time, but we know of animals in the wild that possess this ability where it is expected that, hey, if it loses a tail, it's going to grow back. It, it's you know part of its makeup, its DNA. And you do wonder now with additional research if they are able to uncover something that Tyson here possesses that allowed him to, to regrow that bone, even if it is something that would need to take place between a certain age range you know, it, it could this be applied to humans in some way? Is there something there that uh, was previously been undiscovered? I don't know. But uh, one of those stories that we like to say we'll keep an eye on and see where it goes from here. Are you a defense financial manager looking to invest in your career? Attend PDI, the Professional Development Institute in Phoenix, Arizona, May 29th to 31st. PDI is the premier annual training event for the DFM community with over 100 educational sessions, 300 speakers, and the ability to earn up to 150 continuing professional education credits. This three-day event enhances the knowledge and skills of defense financial managers in the DOD, U.S. Coast Guard, and public and private sectors. Register today at pdi2024.org. Early bird rates end April 30th. Taking a look at this day in history on February 13th, several records for the coldest day were recorded for multiple cities in the U.S., both in 1899 and 1905. In 1899, it got down to 16 below or minus 27 degrees Celsius in Minden, Louisiana. That's a state record. In 1899, it got down to one below in New Orleans or 18 below Celsius also in Louisiana, but not that record. Uh, 1899 minus two in Tallahassee, Florida, state record. Now, wow. that is cold in Florida. I mean, <laughs> you would think they complain right now when it's 50. Could you imagine being negative two degrees Fahrenheit? I had no idea. I would have never guessed that the state of Florida experienced weather like that. Now, Tallahassee's in the northern portion of the state, which is a little bit cooler. I mean, more in line with say Georgia, for example, when it comes to temperatures and less like Miami or even Orlando for that matter. But still, wow, that's something you typically associate with where we grew up, Reggie, Wisconsin yeah. in the north. Now, in 1905, it got even colder. Pond, Arkansas hit a state record in 1905 with minus 29 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 34 degrees Celsius. Lebanon, Kansas, again, state record, minus 40 in 1905, minus 40 degrees Celsius. That would actually match it up. And Warsaw, Missouri also hit that state record at minus 40 as well in 1905. Wow. So 1905, very cold time in that area. Now, if you're curious what the coldest day on record is, that is July 21st, 1983, with a temp of minus 128.6 degrees Fahrenheit or minus 89.2 degrees Celsius in Antarctica. But you know, that's Antarctica. If you look at the rest of the top five, 
It was December 22nd, 1991. Greenland hit minus uh, 93.3 degrees Fahrenheit on January 15th, 1885. Uh, and then also in 1892 and 1993, uh, multiple dates and years in Russia, they hit minus 90. February 1947, uh, Snag Yukon hit minus 81.4 degrees Fahrenheit. And rounding out the top five there, January 21st, 1971, Prospect Creek, Alaska hit minus 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So how's that for cool stuff right home, Marcus? Oh, boy. Bad jokes. All right. There's where we're going with this. Uh, Let's warm up a little bit. Let's let's warm up. Here's a couple of the hottest days. The rumored hottest day came from Furnace Creek, California, or Death Valley. That uh, supposedly came in at 201 degrees Fahrenheit, but that's unofficial. The official hottest days? Yeah. That's, that's a little hot. I don't think I, you would survive I, very long. I don't that. know that I trust this unofficial temperature of 201. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. The official hottest day, 134 degrees Fahrenheit. Again, Furnace Creek or Death Valley. That happened in 1913. Tunisia hit 131 degrees Fahrenheit in 1931. Iran at the airport there hit 129.2 degrees Fahrenheit in 2017. In fact, the rest of the next couple ones all happened in the Middle East. Uh, All of them except for one in 1942 happened around that 2016, 2017 years, uh, around 129 degrees Fahrenheit. But still, I do not want to be around for that 129 or 134. No, I I don't either. But if I had to pick, uh, I'll tell you what end of the spectrum I'm going to. That's that's (laughs) the heat. Uh, I am not dealing with 90 minus 90 in Greenland or or uh, any of those others that you threw out. But, you know, going back to the cold days, of course, you, you rounded up the top five and You implied this. Most of those places are where you would expect those type of temperatures. Alaska, Russia, Greenland. Okay, but the southern U.S., that is absolutely nuts to see those types of temperatures. And it makes me wonder, what was the temperature in the Great White North at that point where you're typically (laughs) seeing cooler temps? I mean, presumably it was a weather pattern that blasted that part of the world and was sort of confined there. But, man, in, in 1905 or 1899... Didn't have a lot of the modern amenities that you have today to stay warm indoors. So that kind of frightening at the same time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are probably some deaths that came along with that. But, you know, to your point of what was the temperature in the north at that time, there have been times when Wisconsin has been like 20 degrees colder than Alaska. So you never know, depending. There's there's quite a distance between those that that low front may have came in and just been cold in that area. Versus northern part of the country could have been warmer. You never yeah. know. Yeah, it absolutely does happen. I mean, just last week, we, you know, Las Vegas was chillier during the Super Bowl week than Minneapolis, which is pretty wild. But it, you're right. It does happen from time to time, just based on weather patterns. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. You can always reach us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Path. We'll be back with Cool Stuff again tomorrow. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count, guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.